So if you add one more bat, which not only makes your team better going into 2024, but it doesn't block youth plate appearances. It doesn't. You still have room to allow Jet Williams to come up and play. For Mark Vientos, who's tearing it up in April, to continue to play. There's room for that. First of all, third base, and I think this is important. I know Vientos looks so bad defensively, but I want Vientos in the mix at third base. Now, one of the big questions about Mark Vientos is, what can he be with consistent at-bats? I'm all for getting him consistent at-bats. You can get him consistent at-bats while also adding a designated hitter. That is not impossible. How, you may ask. Well, how do you do that, Evan? All right, let's get specific. One of the names that's been mentioned a lot over the last few days is Jorge Soler. Now, there are some negatives to Jorge Soler that we should address, but let me just first explain where Vientos can still get plenty of at-bats if Jorge Soler is here, and then we'll go through the positive negatives of him and other designated hitter options. If you add Jorge Soler, Mark Vientos is in the mix at third base. Maybe Brett Beatty doesn't face every single lefty. So there's at-bats right there for Mark Vientos. That's number one. Number two, Jorge Soler is a butcher in the outfield. I want to acknowledge that, but he can still play the outfield every once in a while. I don't think he has to necessarily become 1,000% designated hitter. Now, maybe he's 90% designated hitter because he's so bad defensively, but you can sneak him in the outfield. And on those days, he plays the outfield where, let's say, Harrison Bader doesn't play or Starling Marte needs an off day. DH opens up for Mark Vientos. There may be a day where Pete Alonso needs a DH day. First base opens for Mark Vientos. And obviously with those at-bats early, if Vientos is hitting and hitting and hitting, who knows what Brett Beatty's doing? Who knows what Harrison Bader's doing in the outfield? Who knows if Starling Marte's healthy? There are plenty of ways for Vientos to get at-bats. Like, I don't think it needs to be as simplistic as, well, DH needs to be open for him so that he can play every single day. There is plenty of other ways he can play every day. Like, let's not make believe that guys play 162 games. Very few guys do. Now, the Mets have a handful of guys that have. You know, Brandon Nimmo's been a guy over the last two years, to his credit, that's gone out and played every single day, and that's great. Can I expect that again? I don't know. I'd probably, if I had to bet, say he's going to have one IL stint. Knock on wood. Pete Alonzo, for the most part, plays every day, but even he had an IL stint last year after he got drilled by Charlie Morton. Injuries are going to happen. Starling Marte has played really well in winter ball, and that's great, and that's awesome. And one of the keys to the Mets having success in 2024 is Starling Marte looking like the guy from 2022. But seriously, we think he's playing every single day. We think he's playing 155 games. There are plenty of ways for Viento specifically and other kids who emerge because they're performing at a high level at AAA, whether it's Luis Sanjal Lacuna, whether it's Drew Gilbert, whether it's Jet Williams, they will have plenty of opportunities to play even if you add one more bat. And that's the key, one more bat. When we talked about this two months ago, maybe Pete and I were more on the they need two bats, they need three bats. I'm good. I've accepted that one bat is fine because that allows you to accomplish two goals at the same time, which for me as a Met fan has always been the goal going into this offseason. And that is goal number one, try to win games in 2024, try to make the postseason, and once you're there, you never know. And goal number two, 
develop the guys on this roster. It is possible to do both. It's not all or nothing. And whether it's Jorge Soler or any of the other DH options we've talked about, adding one guy, not two guys, adding one guy does not blockade young guys from playing. So if you're on that bandwagon of you can't add a bat, that's not fair to the youth. You're wrong, respectfully. You're wrong. It's baseball. Guys are going to miss time. And if you're creative, and I think Carlos Mendoza is, everybody can get their at-bats. So the one thing that maybe we didn't talk about so much, but who did David Stearns bring in from the Houston Astros? You're talking about player-wise or front office? No, front office-wise. He brought in somebody uh, from the Houston Astros front office, and I can't remember his name. But one thing that they've done recently, they started with Jordan Alvarez, he was a DH, and now he's starting to play the field. And they did it with, with uh, I forget how to pronounce his name exactly, but, but Yainer Diaz, mm-hmm. who's a catcher, DH. And they bring him up, and they find ways to give him at bats, and he was productive with the bat while working him into the field. There are opportunities all over the place, and that's what we're talking about. Being versatile, being a utility guy, that's why baseball – that's that's where baseball is going now. It, it It's not you just play this position and it's done. You can't clog up spots. Well, and, and also Harrison Bader, who, you know, I've said a lot on this pod since they signed him. Hey, he's a fine fourth outfielder. He's not an everyday player. I guess what I'm starting to accept or it's kind of becoming crystal clear in my head is he may be the everyday center fielder at the beginning, but that's not the long-term plan for the season. Obviously, when you sign a one-year deal, it's one year. But by May or June or July, but hopefully earlier, you've got youth coming up that's going to turn Harrison Bader into what he should be, which is a fourth outfielder. So the signing of Harrison Bader does not blockade young players. He temporarily holds a spot until those young players come up. And I think we have to remember that. Like the Mets are not blocking all of their youth with veteran signings. And so I think when you view Bader in that light, which I'm starting to, which is, yeah, he may be the everyday center fielder at the beginning, assuming he stays healthy, but he will lose his job Maybe not because he failed, but loses his job because the Mets have outfield prospects. The Mets have guys who can come up and force the issue. You know, Drew Gilbert, according to David Stearns, is going to start the year at AAA. He performed very well at AA after the trade. Can Drew Gilbert, with a hot April and a big spring training, force his way onto the roster on May 1st? Is that on the table? Now, David Stearns hasn't directly said one way or the other. He hasn't been asked that yet. But that's certainly on the table. When you have a guy starting at AAA, they're right there. And one thing we don't know about David Stearns as compared to Billy Epler is it felt like with Billy Epler, he wanted to wait longer than necessary to call young players up. I don't know if that's the case with David Stearns, especially because of the philosophical change the Mets have. You know, the Mets are obviously trying to juggle two things at the same time. They weren't doing that last year and the year before. They were trying to win. You know, when you have Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander on your roster – You're not effing around. You're trying to win. And we all know it backfired. So there could be a quicker trigger to calling up young players. I just think it's important to recognize that adding one more bat, and that's all I've suggested, does not blockade young players from playing. As far as Soler is concerned, let me get you the good and the bad of Jorge Soler, the positives and the negatives of a Jorge Soler signing. Number one is good player. 
hits a lot of home runs. This guy with 48 home runs not too long ago. Last year had a big power season. He is a legitimate right-handed slugger, and this team could use it. Hit 36 home runs last year, had an 853 OPS. He had 48 home runs for the Royals back in 2019 when he led the league. He is just your typical big right-handed slugger, had a 1,000 OPS against left-handed pitching, which we know the Mets could use. They struggled greatly against lefties last year. So he's a hitter. You know, he's had some down years too. I don't want to ignore that. Like in 2022, he missed half the season and didn't perform when he played. He obviously had that magical postseason for Atlanta back in 2021 when he was the World Series MVP. So he's giving you the glimpse that he can perform big in a big spot. But he's a power-hitting slugger who could protect Pete Alonso. And I know there's a lot in our audience who don't even think protection exists. It doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. Maybe I'm old school in that regard. I think it helps. I think when you've got a 40-home run bat behind Pete Alonso, he gets more pitches to hit. Simple as that. So that's an obvious positive. He is a slugging right-hand hitter, and the Mets could use that. That's positive number one. Here's the negative. I don't love giving him a three-year contract. I don't love that. I love that the Mets in this offseason, even if we don't maybe you know particularly love each player, they are keeping themselves on short-term deals. Harrison Bader, one-year deal. Sean Manaya, one-year deal. Trade for Hauser, one-year deal left. Luis Severino, one-year deal. They're only going to have one year of Starling Marte left after this season. The Mets have a lot of flexibility. And for Jorge Soler, who right now is 31 years old, but he'll be 32 before opening day. So he's a 32-year-old designated hitter. If you sign him to a three-year deal, you're locked in to age 32, 33, 34. Not the end of the world. It's not 37, 38, 39, but you do lose that flexibility. So I'd prefer, in a perfect world, the bat that the Mets had be on a one-year deal. I don't think you're getting Jorge Soler on a one-year contract. Is what it is. Are you getting J.D. Martinez on a one-year contract? Yes. Are you getting Justin Turner on a one-year contract? Yes. I think you're definitely getting Reese Hoskins on a one-year deal, only because he really needs to rehab his value after missing all of last year. I prefer the short-term deal, but I also realize, hey, to get players sometimes, and good ones, you got to give multi-years. Negative number two, he's a butcher defensively. So when I add the positive of Solaire, well, he can play the outfield. J.D. Martinez doesn't play the outfield anymore. Reese Hoskins isn't an outfielder. He's only a first baseman. When I say, hey, that's a positive. He could play the outfield. I should acknowledge his defense in the outfield is atrocious. Now, the good news is, I do offer kind of a balance to that, is when you have Harrison Bader and you have Tyrone Taylor, who are very good defensively, if you decide to start Holaire, oh, Soler in the outfield for a game, you could replace him in the sixth to seventh inning. You know, he's not, not married to nine innings of Jorge Soler. You have two really capable defensive outfielders potentially on your bench, at least one of them on your bench, that can come in late in the game and clean up the defense. And, and really, Soler playing the outfield to me would be a once-in-a-while thing. It wouldn't be something you would do often. But I like having that in the toolbox of I'm not locked in with this guy only being my DH. He can occasionally go to the outfield and play. But we do have to acknowledge, and I tried to do my research on it because, you know, unless you watch a guy every day, it's tough to know what they are defensively. So you look at defensive metrics, but Soler didn't play a lot of outfield last year. But then you ask, well, why didn't he play a lot of outfield last year? Because he sucks. 
That's that's the answer. That's the answer I've come up with, Pete. He's a butcher defensively. But, you know, once every two weeks, once a week, I guess we can live with it, right? Well, it depends on who's on the mound. If we can avoid the ball going to his side of the field, then yes, that, that, that'd be helpful. <laughs> Here's the other thing, though, too. And, and you know what? You said three-year deal, and this is where I think creativity and Steve Cohen's money comes in hand. Now, I'm not trying to say do this exactly, but remember when Yohan Cespedes signed that first year? Yeah. Uh, rest- he signed a three-year deal with the first-year opt-out, and they had to o- they overpaid the first year and whatever. It, it made sense for Cespedes to do this. I'm not saying to give him $75 million for three years. No way. But if you could overpay in a first year and have a built-in opt-out, whether it's a mutual, whether it's a him – and make only make it a two-year deal. I feel like that's where Steve Cohen can adjust and maybe you can steal Solaire for a year or two rather than have three-year commitment. Yeah, it's creative. I mean, it's funny. Like earlier in this pod, I referred to Sean Manaya's contract as a one-year deal. It's not. But the reason I referred to it as that is because I just assume that if he's halfway decent, he's going to opt out like he just did. So it's a good call with Solaire that if you can give him a quote-unquote three-year deal, but it's really a dummy three-year deal and give him every incentive in the world to have a monster year and opt out. That's a win-win for everybody because you get the monster year, which helps you this season. And then you get the flexibility of him opting out. And when he opts out, you could choose to let him go and reevaluate the situation based on the way youth has played and other free agent options, or you can resign him or let him go. So it's a good idea. I don't know if he accepts it. You know, he seems to have a market. It seems to be that there are three or four teams that are hot for him, whether it's Boston or Toronto or whomever. So I don't know. But even if it's not Solaire, because the Mets can't work out a creative contract like that, and they can't work out a three-year deal because they have the same hesitations that I would mention, there are plenty of other one-year bad options. We've talked about a lot of them over the last few weeks and months. And you got to add one of them. Because it allows you to do the goal of simultaneously competing this season, which it does. It helps you this season, but it doesn't block anyone. I just think it's a misnomer that adding a DH blocks the opportunity of other players. I don't buy it. It doesn't. There are plenty of ways for Mark Viento specifically to get at-bats. 